This IFF podcast now has an official sponsor, the IFF Financial Corporation. That's great. The IFF Financial Corporation has really helped the IFF a lot over the years, and I'm really glad to see them sponsoring this podcast as we continue to grow it. So before we get started with this episode of the IFF podcast, I urge everybody to visit Financial Corporation's website, www.iaff-fc.com. Welcome back to another edition of the IFF Podcast. Uh, joining me today is Doug Stern. Say hi, Doug. Hi, Doug. How you doing, Mark? Good. And I'm Mark Treglio, and, and uh, this is a very special podcast today, Doug, in the fact that uh, January is IFF Cancer Awareness Month, and this is the first in a series of podcasts to go along with that, focusing on cancer, how it affects firefighters, and what the IFF is doing working with partners across the field to minimize the, the risk of cancer and the, the scope of cancer across the fire service. I think it's important here too, Mark, that we give a shout out to the people that we're partnering with for the Firefighter Cancer Awareness Month, the uh, Firefighter Cancer Support Network. They've been working with our folks at Health and Safety to really make this a meaningful awareness month where our members can really learn about some of the dangers that we face on the job in relation to occupational cancer. Yeah. And we're going to kick off IFF Cancer Awareness Month on this episode uh, by talking about a really important movement that's going on. I'll call it a movement. I don't know. Uh, we'll call it the, IF, the Firefighter Cancer Registry, the National Firefighter Cancer Registry. And, you know, firefighters are exposed to all those toxins uh, every day on the job throughout their careers, and it builds up over time. And there's always been a lot of studies out there. And they haven't been big enough. They're small sample. Uh, they underrepresent, uh, uh, you know, portions of the fire service, different demographics. And and now we have the National Firefighter Cancer Registry, which is a monumental effort to really rein in all of that and and get a get studies done on all different corners of the country in the fire service on all different levels, from volunteers to professional firefighters. All different levels, uh, those who've had cancer, those who haven't. And leading that charge for us on the Firefighter Cancer Registry uh, are our two guests today, uh, Dr. Kenny Fent and Dr. Miriam Siegel. How are you doing today? Good. Great. Thank Thanks you. for having us. So we'll start with you, Dr. Fent. Tell us a little about yourself. Sure. Um, I'm a research industrial hygienist at, at NIOSH. I've been with NIOSH now for more than a decade. Um, I've done firefighter research really since the beginning of my time at NIOSH. Um, a lot of exposure assessment research, working with uh, Illinois Fire Service Institute and Underwriters Laboratory and uh, the University of Arizona and Miami. I've, I've worked with a lot of the, the top researchers uh, that are looking at firefighter exposures and, and cancer in particular. Dr. Siegel? Hi, I'm Miriam Siegel. I'm an epidemiologist at NIOSH, and I joined at NIOSH in 2017 as a CDC Epidemic Intelligence Service Officer. Um, and during that time, I, I actually was involved in a range of different public health projects uh, that afflict worker populations in general, but are also really important to the fire service. I worked on projects related to reproductive health, um, workplace violence, outbreak investigation, and then firefighter-specific projects 
um, like their fatality investigation program and wildland firefighter uh, health and safety. And now I'm part of the National Firefighter Registry, hoping to combine all my past skills in epidemiology to focus in on cancer among the fire service. Okay, Doug, before we get into the, uh, the science behind the fire registry, I wanted to just really talk about the IFF efforts on the legislative side to pass uh, the fire registry. And it all started a couple years ago. Uh, IFF started participating in congressional hearings way back in 2017. And in those hearings, they were highlighting the unique and dangerous relationship uh, that, that there is between cancer and the fire service. And really started to engage our members on the local level to reach out to their Congress people to get this passed. And uh, later in 2017, the House took a voice vote on it, uh, came through unanimously. It moved on to the Senate, where it also passed there, and uh, went to the president's desk and signed in July of 2018. And I think think a shout-out needs to go to the IFF Governmental Affairs Department for staying on top of this and really you know, work in the halls of Congress to make sure that this this registry is passed and firefighters remain safe down the road. You know, Mark, I I think that background really is important. And you're right. Our legislative team did a heck of a job pushing this through to make this, you know, the bill and the act that it is. But I think the question most of our listeners are asking themselves is, what is the firefighter registry and how does it work? Dr. Fent? So the National Firefighter Registry, or NFR, is you know it's a large voluntary registry of firefighters uh, that will be used to collect information on workplace and uh, behavior factors that could affect the risk of cancer uh, among firefighters through a secure online survey. And as you mentioned, the legislation, the Firefighter Cancer Registry Act of 2018, is really what created the NFR. And, you know, we're calling it the National Firefighter Registry because there's a lot of misinformation out there that you have to have cancer to register once we start registering, um, that you have to have cancer. And that's not the case. Really, the, the National Firefighter Registry is an exposure registry. And so it's, it's open or will be open for all firefighters, regardless of their health status, whether they're active or retired, career, volunteer, uh, wildland firefighter, you know, we want to really encourage all firefighters to register. And it's really important, and Miriam can talk about this from an epidemiology perspective, but it's really important that uh, we get, you know, a very diverse sample of firefighters to register those that are healthy, those who have cancer, um, because we can't draw any statistical conclusions regarding cancer risk if we don't get that, you know, sort of representative population of the fire service to register. Um, And we can talk more about what the process looks like to register and, you know, how we'll collect information. But, you know, the bottom line is this is a registry of firefighters. I, I like to I like to talk about it as this is really an opportunity for firefighters to let us know that they're a firefighter and provide other important details about themselves and their work. 
And then that allows us to really, you know, understand their occupation and then follow them over time to determine their health outcomes, specifically cancer, if they develop cancer and what type of cancer, and then how that cancer is associated with those unique exposures that firefighters have. Right. And and really, no one's a better expert on their own career with the fire service than these firefighters themselves. And so that's why we'll be getting information about their work history, exposure history, and, and information about their lifestyle and, and their work settings from the firefighters themselves. And so um, the initial survey, the enrollment survey that firefighters will complete when they register for the NFR will gather this aspect of the information. And then the information about potential cancer diagnoses, including past cancer diagnoses or cancer diagnoses that firefighters uh, may experience in the future, we'll be able to get from existing public health databases of cancer that are maintained by all 50 states. And it's really important for us to do this because this way we'll be able to track cancer and cancer diagnoses among firefighters that are participating in the NFR for decades to come over the long term. And secondly, firefighters won't need to contact NIOSH if they are diagnosed with cancer. We recognize that that might be the last thing that the on their mind um, is, you know, letting NIOSH know. And so we'll be able to track those cancer diagnoses and important information about cancer that cancer diagnosis, like the type of cancer, the stage of cancer from those public health databases of cancer. All 50 states have state cancer registries. And Miriam knows more about this than I do. Basically, if you develop cancer in the United States, it gets reported to the you know, state health department in the state in which you live. I believe it's the only non-infectious disease that's, that's reported. There may be another one, but it's the main non-infectious disease that's reported to the state. But those uh, state cancer registries largely don't collect information on occupation, or if they do, it's really kind of incomplete information about occupation. And so that's one of the big, I guess, gaps that the National Firefighter Registry is trying to fill. We can't really look at any occupation and cancer outcomes unless we have information about the occupation, right? And so that's really what the National Firefighter Registry is doing, is we're going to collect as much information as we can from the firefighters directly, it's a voluntary registry, but directly from the firefighters, you know, in some cases from the fire departments, what we, you know, can capture from them, but getting that information about the occupation and then making those linkages then to those state cancer registries. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's a good summary of it. There, there have been some really good recent studies that have used occupational information from the cancer registries out of California and Florida, for example, that have, um, you know, contributed to a lot about what we know about cancer and firefighters. But these types of studies have their limitations and it, and most of it relates to the information we have about occupation available Oftentimes, it's inaccurate for firefighters in the cancer registry, or it's or it is incomplete, and it's limited about what we know beyond this person was a firefighter. But what about firefighting causes cancer? 
that's the ultimate goal of collecting more data and linking it with information about cancer. Yeah, and so I, I guess one example of that would be, you know, we hear a lot from from firefighters that that they have some major disaster that they respond to or some, you know, major event. Maybe it's a, uh, you know, chemical manufacturing facility or, you know, train derailment or something, you know, where they had this like really intense exposure and you're not going to capture that information from the, the state cancer databases. They just don't collect that level of information. But that's the kind of level of information that we would collect through the National Firefighter Registry. So then, as well as like just the number of fire responses you've, you've been on in your career. So that's the kind of information that where you can really start to dig down and figure out, okay, what is it about your work and your work environment that might be associated with, with some of these cancer outcomes? I think, you know, when we talk about the firefighter cancer registry, I, I know you docs know that it's super important to have data and the data that we hope to glean from this will hopefully set the course moving forward. Because I can tell you from helping several states with cancer presumptive laws, the first question we ask is, how do we know this is a problem? And kind of talk about the importance of the registry, if you could, about in, in regard to collecting that data to really highlight and show the scope of the crisis of cancer in the fire service. Dr. Fent, Dr. Siegel, whoever wants to go first there. Sure. Um, I can, I can start out and, uh, Miriam, you know, please jump in, but you know, data is so important, right? I mean, there, there have been some studies that have occurred over the last, really over the last decade, there's been so much research on firefighters and cancer. But one of the big studies was the the Daniels, Dr. Doug Daniels, who's at NIOSH, um, conducted what, what is the largest cancer cohort study in the United States on firefighters. And they found several cancers were elevated among firefighters. But that study, as great as it was, like you said, didn't have enough women or minority firefighters uh, didn't look at volunteer firefighters to draw any conclusions about those different demographics. It was also focused on just three fire departments, large municipal fire departments, which may not be representative of the entire cross-section of the nation and the fire service. There's a lot of rural fire fire departments out there, for example. We know that housing stock varies you know, a lot across across the nation. Uh, the way fires are fought differs across the nation. You know, the fire service has really changed a lot just within the last 10 years. Um, and that study really uh, looked at firefighters that were employed decades ago. So there are just so many questions that are still out there about the different factors in the fire service that may be associated with, you know, with cancer. And if you look at the Firefighter Cancer Registry Act, it, it calls out a lot of those knowledge gaps. It talks a lot about women and non-whites and volunteer firefighters and really trying to address those, you know, those gaps. And, and that's where the National Firefighter Registry will really, uh, you know, begin to, to lay the, the pavement and, and answering some of those questions. And I'd like to jump in and add that a lot of the, a lot of the 
previous studies that have been done have been what's called records-based, meaning, you know, they've, they've looked at information that's available from um, employment records and incidents records, for example, and, and that doesn't give you much more beyond occupational status as a firefighter and some limited information sometimes on um, number of fire runs and duration of employment and, and time spent on scene. And so what's really missing is a lot more information about workplace characteristics, um, worker practices, and other information that's really important to look at cancer risks. So different behavioral practices and lifestyle practices as well. What is the process of really compiling all the data? Once all the data is compiled, how do you use all of that data? As you're as you're plowing through all of the information that's coming in, I mean, obviously there are key things you're looking for, but is there a method to the madness, so to say? Sure, yeah. So, so one of the the you know one of the most basic principles of the NFR, and this is why we're encouraging all firefighters to join, not just those with a cancer diagnosis. Um, we need both healthy uh, and firefighters with a you know all sorts of health and work and geography backgrounds um, to register because really we're going to be comparing firefighters that do develop cancer or have developed cancer to those that don't receive a cancer diagnosis because it's important to identify the differences between firefighters that have and have not had cancer to be able to potentially see what characteristics and what firefighting exposures and and patterns are associated with cancer um i mean the the only other thing i think it's important to mention that this is a long long-term project you know we know that cancer most types of cancer have a long latency period which latency is the is the time between you know exposure to carcinogens and um, develop developing cancer and so most cancers have a latency period of 10 years or longer. Um, and so because of that, you know, it will take it will take several years, you know, even after we register firefighters for there to be enough cancer cases um, in which to draw conclusions when we compare it to the general population. But, you know, we're collecting so much valuable information you know, valuable for researchers, but also valuable for the fire service that, you know, we'll be able to, you know, analyze and start to publish papers right away. But it is a long-term project. I mean, I, I like to think of it as probably a 20 or 30 year project. I may be retired before um, we're done looking at all this data. Um, and it could go even longer than that. And so, you know, uh, I just caution people that, you know, this is a long-term project, but it's because of that, the, the potential impact that we can have is really just incredible, really, if you think about it. You know, we're going to be able to look at uh, cancer outcomes from a whole variety of cancer, other chronic, you know, potentially other chronic diseases as well for years and years. And so this isn't just like a snapshot of the fire service right now. It's going to be, you know, it, again, a long-term project. And we can really learn. And with each iteration, if you will, we'll have, you know, more information that can 
benefit the fire service. I think that's a really good distinction you make, Dr. Fent, is that this is something that's kind of a continual project. You said long-term, mm-hmm. I think continual, however yep. we look at it. Because as, as I understand the other studies, they were really a snapshot at a certain period of time, mm-hmm. and they didn't kind of grow along with other data that came in. So really, this is going to evolve over time to be a lot bigger and a lot more impactful than the other the other studies that a lot of us are already aware of. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. And so one way to kind of think about it is that, you know, I, I kind of mentioned at the beginning of this uh, podcast that the fire service has changed a lot just within the last 10 years. There's a lot of control measures that are being, being implemented. And we can actually start to look at how effective are some of those control measures? Are they actually reducing the cancer risk? providing that evidence to the decision makers and the fire service, you know, I think is really powerful. And then to think that there may be additional control interventions that are developed in the coming years. And we can start to look at that. So just like you said, it's a continual project. And because of that, there are so many different hypotheses and things that can be explored that you can't do with, with just a, a project that's, you know, more cross-sectional or a snapshot in time. Right. And, and the more firefighters that join the NFR, the bigger what we call the bigger our sample size. And a larger sample size is really important for um, conducting more detailed analyses. We'll be able to look at some rarer cancer. We'll be able to look at more details about the fire service and and more subgroups uh, within the fire service, whether that's different demographic subgroups or special firefighting subspecialties or um, geographical variation. But the more people that register, the better we'll be able to conduct these detailed analyses. I'd like to go back to something I've heard you mention twice already. And that is the last couple of years have provided different information than previous years. I know you said it differently a little bit a while ago, but how has the fire service changed just in the last 10 years or so? What, what data points are you getting that, that tells us that? I mean, for me personally, that really pertains to, you know, my experience as a researcher, you know, starting out 10 years ago. And, you know, I started my career looking at firefighters exposures from uh, vehicle fires. And at that time, you know, it was it was pretty common for firefighters not to wear any CBA or respiratory protection when they when they fought, you know, car fires. You know, I think that's really starting to change. You know, we started to look at exposures during overhaul. And again, you know, SCBA wasn't all that commonly used, you know, even 10 years ago, whereas it's, you know, much more common today. Um, and now you're starting to see, and I think a lot of it is because of the efforts of IFF and, and other organizations that have really raised the awareness of the cancer issue in the fire service. I think there's a lot more attention on how, how can we reduce the cancer risk for firefighters? How can we reduce their exposures? So now we're starting to see hood exchange programs and routine laundering of turnout gear, you know, clean cab programs, use of of skin cleansing wipes. You know, there's all these efforts being put in place across the fire service to try to lessen 
those exposures. And, you know, that wasn't even on the radar 10 years ago. So I think there's a lot of really positive momentum in the fire service to, you know, really try to reduce the risk in the fire service. Um, but what we're lacking, unfortunately, is that uh, that link to the health outcomes. You know, how effective are these measures at actually reducing some of the chronic conditions that we're seeing in firefighters? So do you find some of those changes to be generational, where it's the younger firefighters that are coming in that are adopting the new policies? Or do you see, and maybe you don't have the data yet, and that's why we need the firefighter registry, do you see that some of the legacy firefighters are adapting some of these changes as well? Yeah, I mean, I I think that's, I don't think we have the data. I mean, that that's exactly okay. the type of question that we can answer and answer relatively quickly through our enrollment questionnaire. Some of the data we're collecting, you know, pertains directly to, you know, these control measures across the fire service. Anecdotally, I've heard you've kind of heard both sides. Like you've heard, you know, firefighters coming out of training academy, you know, because training academies have really started to address the cancer issue. They're coming with kind of a a new awareness and knowing kind of what the best practices are. But then on on the flip side, I've heard from some of the older firefighters that the younger firefighters don't, you know, appreciate how big of, a, of an issue cancer is because they haven't, you know, directly seen it in their colleagues or whatever. They're, they're young, they're healthy. They don't think it's going to necessarily affect them. And so they're a little more cavalier. So we've heard both sides of it anecdotally, but we, we need that data to really, to know for sure. Miriam? Yeah, I was, I was going to talk about the research side of things. And over the past decade, I, I know practices have changed a lot in the fire service, but also, you know, among health research and the medical community, it's, it's grown in, in the amount of groups, public health groups and medical groups that want to look at this topic. And just as an example, um, in 2010, the International Agency for Research on Cancer, which is kind of the international expert on, on identifying and classifying um, agents that cause cancer, in 2010, they wrote a, a report on an, a synthesis of the evidence on um, how firefighting relates to cancer. And they have a classification system for classifying different potential carcinogens. Um, and at that time, based on a synthesis of evidence, um, IARC classified firefighting as a possible carcinogen to humans. Now, since then, in the past decade, there's been a huge growth in the number and the types of studies that have been conducted on cancer and firefighters. And so just within the past year, IARC has um, released a statement that firefighting is going to be a high priority for reevaluation in the coming years, just based on that new evidence. So earlier earlier in our episode, you mentioned that this could be something that a project that even outlasts all of us that 20 years from now, this registry can still be documenting information and providing the fire service great information. What is your timeline moving forward? What are your goals and your objectives? Is there, is there a timeline moving forward for, for how you want this, your vision for how this is laid out? 
Yeah, that's that's a great question. We're used to working with firefighters. We know that they expect things to be done quickly. <laughs> you know, used to emergency response kind of decisions, but we're really making sure that we do this correctly the the first time. And so, you know, we've done a lot of work over the past two years just to get ready for the NFR. You know, that includes meeting with fire service experts, uh, cancer research professionals from all over the country, uh, and incorporating their input into our questionnaire and our protocol. You know, the protocol is essentially a roadmap on how the NFR is going to be conducted. We're in the process of setting up a secure web portal that'll be used to register firefighters. Privacy and data security are of utmost importance for us. And so, you know, we're working closely with IT security experts within and outside NIOSH to ensure that, you know, we have all the protocols in place, making sure we have a good user experience and, and making sure that the process to register is as, as straightforward and as easy as possible. And so, you know, it really is, think of it as a system, you know, we're building a system that can be used for a long time to really look at exposures and work history information, other factors, and ultimately cancer outcomes. And so, um, unfortunately, we're not registering yet, but we're, we're very close. And we think we'll be able to start registering firefighters sometime in 2021. And then it'll be an ongoing enrollment um, that'll happen uh, over the next few years, at least. You know, we're hoping that it's it's a continual uh, enrollment that we can continue to enroll um, even after those first couple years. And once we start registering firefighters, you know, pretty soon after that, we can start matching to those state cancer databases uh, that I mentioned to really, you know, start evaluating cancer risk. And there'll also be the opportunity for um, firefighters participating in the NFR to complete follow-up questionnaires over time. Um, we realize that, you know, behaviors change, exposures change, and the interests of the fire service change. So, you know, at, even beyond enrollment, we'll have the opportunity to invite firefighters to participate in questionnaires that have special topics that weren't covered in the enrollment questionnaire or a chance to, oper uh, to update information about their work and their life that will be important to analyses of cancer. Now, you both had mentioned that it's going to track exposures of firefighters. How does that work? Are firefighters coming back to you with every exposure they have, or is it tied in somewhere to the NIFRS? Is there a way that that is automatic, or is that going to be reliant on the registry participants to enter? That, that's a very important question. So, as part of the enrollment process, there is, you know, an initial questionnaire that will try to capture some information directly from firefighters about their work history. You know, we know that uh, there'll be, you know, potential recall uh, bias and problems just trying to remember your exposure history, if you will. Um, but it will be important to try to capture that directly from firefighters. Once we have firefighters registered, we're also interested in linking to any exposure tracking programs that firefighters may already be using, or if they start using any of those exposure tracking programs like N4s, for example, we'll have a process where we can actually pull in that, that data 
And then we're also wanting to work directly with fire departments in registering firefighters. So we haven't talked a whole lot about that, but there will be a more targeted uh, recruiting kind of approach where we'll reach out to certain fire departments all over the country and try to register their firefighters. Again, it'll be voluntary. But by working directly with fire departments, we can also pull in those incident records, like you mentioned, ENFERS, and that'll happen continuously um, over time. And so it won't necessarily have to come directly from firefighters, you know, their, their exposure information after they register. Although, like Miriam mentioned, we will be doing some follow-up questionnaires from time to time to time. Again, voluntary questionnaires, um, which will provide another way to try to get some of that information about their, their exposure over time. And we also recognize that exposures are not just chemical in nature. So there's going to be some items on the enrollment questionnaire and potential follow-up questionnaires that don't just relate to types of fires and potential substances that firefighters are exposed to. But, you know, recently shift work and sleep deprivation has been a bigger topic of concern in the realm of, of cancer research. And we know that firefighters, they work jobs where shift work and sleep deprivation are kind of the, the name of the game. So those are important exposures that we would like to look at as well. We've mentioned it a couple times about the the lack of demographics on previous studies that you've done. So I, I want to just have a special section here uh, that focuses on exactly who can enroll in the firefighter registry. So that's going to be open to any firefighter, anyone that is currently a firefighter, anyone that's been a firefighter in the past, whether they've moved on to another career or they've retired regardless of health status, regardless of cancer status, and regardless of firefighter subspecialties, so structural firefighters, wildland firefighters, um, paid full-time firefighters, volunteer firefighters, everyone will be encouraged to join the NFR. Um, and I'll say it again, but the, the larger and the more diverse sample of NFR participants we get, the more detailed analysis we'll be able to do with this data. And a lot of the background research has um, lacked a lot of information on female firefighters, on volunteer firefighters, on non-white firefighters. And we hope to be able to recruit enough firefighters to really build evidence about cancer in a diverse workforce. Yeah. And I, if I could just elaborate a little bit, you could take women, for example. Women firefighters may absorb and metabolize chemicals differently than men. They may be vulnerable to some cancers that men are not. You know, turnout gear historically has been designed for male anatomy um, and may not provide the same level of protect protection when worn by women. You know, women could be affected differently by stress or sleep disruption. I could go on and on, but unfortunately, cancer studies to date really have not had enough women to fully evaluate how cancer risk may vary for females in the fire service. So again, the the higher the participation rates, the more diverse the firefighters that do register, the more we'll be able to start to fill these knowledge gaps that are still out there. 
about you know the different different demographics in the fire service, different subspecialties. So we really do need all firefighters to you know seriously consider registering. So it's not just for themselves to register, but to tell the rest of their crew to register, the rest of the firefighters they interact with. Um, I refer back to the Bill Goodman gun and knife show, tell a buddy, bring a friend. Um, I think we all have those in our cities. That's exactly what this is, right? We don't just want the firefighters that are listening to this podcast to register. We also want them to have their buddies, have their friends, have their crews register as well, because I I think we've, you guys have said it 18 times so far, the more data we have, the better we're going to be able to protect firefighters in the long run. So I think that's a really good point. I'm glad you guys made I think one of the questions that's going to come up when we talk about who can enroll is the privacy with the registry. Um, data, personal data being so important to people. How it's voluntary, but how are we, how is the registry going to protect that data and make sure that it does stay private and only used for the research that it's intended? Yeah. I mean, like I said, privacy and data security are top priorities for the National Firefighter Registry. I mean, one of the reasons that it's taken us two years to kind of get, you know, very close to opening the registry is because of all the data security uh, measures that are being implemented at CDC NIOSH. We've worked very closely with security experts, both inside and outside NIOSH, to ensure that all the precautions that can be taken to protect data and employ best practices for, you know, meeting all the data security requirements are being implemented. I think I mentioned that uh, firefighters will join through a secure website, but I may not have mentioned that we'll also be using multi-factor authentication, which is, you know, a way of preventing unauthorized access. I think, I think most people today are familiar with it. It's where, you, you know, you'll put uh, an email and a password, but then you'll also get a code that goes to your um, phone, like a text message to your phone. In addition to that, you know, the firefighter data is going to be stored securely with multiple layers of encryption. Only project staff with the necessary training and security clearances will be able to have access to the data. So um, everybody on on my team has gone through background check and, uh, you know, a higher level of security clearance than most people within our um, agency even have. All the identifying information is going to be protected by an assurance of confidentiality, which, again, this is, you know, federal government speak. But basically, an assurance of confidentiality is the highest level of protection that uh, you know, data, federal data can have. And it means that any information that could be used to identify a firefighter is protected from release, even under a court order. So firefighters, you know, they can be sure that their information will never be released to anyone that's not connected with the project. You know, it won't be released to fire departments or insurance companies or really anyone else that is not working on the National Firefighter Registry. So th- those are some of the things that we're, we're doing to you know, protect privacy and data security. And, and that's not even a complete list of everything we're doing. Well, I think it's important that we say thank you to the two of you 
you know, you've obviously got a lot of time and effort into this. And as you're talking about how this is going to lay out over the next 20 years, it's obvious that you, you're dedicating a lifetime's worth of work to this project. And for some, for, for people to do that, to protect firefighters is, you know, that's why I want to say thank you for that. And moving forward though, what outcomes do you expect, you know, when you get 15 years down the road and look back, what are, what are some of the things that you hoped to have accomplished in that time frame? So, you know, the main outcome of the NFR, uh, like you've said very nicely is simply data. And so with that data over time, we hope to answer some really important questions that still need to be answered related to cancer and firefighters. So that's questions like how do cancer rates vary among different groups of firefighters? Um, How do cancer rates change with the use of certain control interventions? How are cancer rates different geographically around the country with different kinds of exposures, with increasing exposures, um, like major events? You know, how do cancer rates in firefighters compare to cancer rates in the general population? What types of cancers are we seeing among firefighters? And so it's really answers to these kind of questions um, that will provide the evidence that we hope will support um, the development of safer workplace practices, better interventions and training and education, and a healthier fire service overall. Um, you know, the, the findings from NFR data can really be used by the fire service, by public health professionals, by the medical, medical community to really build a multifaceted approach at reducing cancer among firefighters. Yeah, and and the only thing I'll add is, you know, big picture, our ultimate goal, the ultimate goal of the National Firefighter Registry is to reduce cancer in the fire service. So, you know, that's really what drives us. You need the data really to do that, to support, you know, some of the policies and procedures that would, would need to be implemented in the fire service or the medical community you know, that's, that's what drives us. That's the ultimate goal is we want to reduce cancer in the fire service. Thank you very much. As we wrap up today's show, do, do the two of you have any closing thoughts you'd like to add? Anything we didn't cover? Anything you want firefighters to know moving forward about the firefighter registry? I, I'd like to just take a moment and, and thank the IAFF, uh, you know, the Firefighter Cancer Support Network, really for all the work that you guys do for the fire service, for occupational health and safety. And in particular, the Cancer Awareness Month is just a great platform to raise awareness about cancer, uh, cancer in general, cancer in the fire service, you know, all the different ways that we can reduce cancer or prevent cancer. You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that, you know, there are a lot of modifiable personal risk factors for cancer as well. I mean, we talk a lot about the occupational risk factors, but, you know, we need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves, you know, eating healthy, exercising. Um, If you're smoking, you should consider, you should consider stopping smoking or any other high risk behaviors you may have when it comes to cancer. Um, So I think it's important to just, you know, mention that as well. 
And then I would just say that, you know, there's, I guess, three things that I, for closing thoughts that I'd like to mention. Number one, the National Firefighter Registry is coming and it's coming soon. I know it seems like it's taken a long time since the act was signed, but again, that's because we're doing everything in our power to make sure the process is scientifically rigorous and secure and as seamless as possible. Number two, when the NFR launches, we're going to make sure that the fire service knows. We're going to work with IFF, uh, with other professional organizations, with the Firefighter Cancer Support Network. We're going to work with all those stakeholders to, to let firefighters all over the country know that we're registering. And number three, I, I don't think we can emphasize this enough. The NFR is for all firefighters. I really think that's probably the most important take-home message. You don't have to have cancer to register. We need healthy firefighters. We need active, retired, all the different subspecialties to register. And again, with broad participation across the fire service, I really, I really believe that there's, there's no limit to what we can learn and the impact we can have on the health and wellness of, you know, of this profession. And I guess the last thing I just want to mention is just maybe a call to action. You know, we can, we can talk all day long about the importance of the NFR, but it really takes firefighters to convince other firefighters. And, you know, we are looking for members of the fire service who are interested in, uh, you know, taking an active role and really, you know, getting the word out there about the NFR. And, you know, we believe that, you know, really partnering with trusted and respected members of the fire service will be essential to the success of this project. Um, and so I just want to mention that if you are at all interested, you know, please email us at nfregistry at cdc.gov. And, uh, you know, we'll be happy to talk, talk with you about that opportunity. We also have a website that, you know, will have some information about the National Firefighter Registry right now. Um, and we'll also be updating it as we get closer to um, enrollment opening. And that is just www.cdc.gov slash NFR. I think that's a really, a lot of really good information. I think, you know, the website's going to, hopefully we're going to drive some traffic there to www.cdc.gov slash NFR um, so that anybody that wants more information about everything that we just talked about can find it. They can reach out to people if they have questions. Um, I, Mark, I, I'm, I'm really excited that, you know, the registry that we've talked about for so long is so close to happening. I, I think this is going to really change the way that certainly Dr. Spent, Dr. Siegel does do research, but it's going to change the way a lot of firefighters look at things as well. So I, it, it, Dr. Siegel, Dr. Fent, thank you. It is humbling to know that you guys and NIOSH and CDC are dedicating this kind of resource to keeping firefighters safe. Um, I, I think that's certainly a lot more than 25 years ago when I hopped on the back of a fire truck for the first time. I expected to ever know what was going on. Um, it really has changed, and I think it's definitely for the better. So th thank you. Mark, I'll throw it back to you. Any thoughts? Yeah, I appreciate the work that the both of you are doing. It's it's a thankless job uh, 
on behalf of firefighters, I appreciate it. And it's going to come in handy. This is going to save lives at the end of the day. And we run into it a lot of times where firefighters, they retire and they don't get to enjoy their retirement because two years in they get cancer or six months or three years in. And I think a lot of the research that you're going to get is going to be able to help us down the road with that, where firefighters can enjoy their retirement, where firefighters can come to work and have the best gear that's designed to keep them safe and policies and procedures that are in place as well that also, you know, get them to that retirement. So I think it's a, it's a great deal. Firefighters need to get on board with this. They need to get in there and get that data growing. So Dr. Siegel, Dr. Fent can do their thing and keep the fire service safe. So on that note, I want to uh, close out this episode of the IFF podcast, the first in a series of episodes dedicated to cancer and fire service as part of the IFF's Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, I want to thank Dr. Miriam Siegel from NIOSH, Dr. Kenny Fent from NIOSH from their, for their time on this episode and their insight and their hard work to keep firefighters safe moving forward. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. On that note, I want to thank everybody for listening to the IFF podcast. I appreciate you joining us today and uh, wish you the best of luck moving forward. Catch you next time. Thank you.